Peaceful Parenting by Stefan Molyneux. What if my children lie to me? Spoiler, your children will lie to you just as you will lie to them, to others, and to yourself. One of the challenges of religious morality is that it contains commandments that you must follow irrespective of your relationships. In other words, your primary moral relationship is with God, not others or virtue itself. This is where the concept of, for instance, Christian forgiveness comes from. Forgiveness is often viewed as a commandment from God, not a blessing to be earned by contrition and reparations from those who have wronged you. I don't subscribe to this point of view. For more on my approach to ethics, please review my free book, Universally Preferable Behavior, A Rational Proof of Secular Ethics, available at freedomain.com. In the extreme pacifist view, violence is morally unacceptable, even in an extremity of self-defense. In the common law tradition, defensive violence becomes acceptable once you are violently aggressed against. You are not allowed to shoot someone unless that someone has pulled a gun on you. The commitment to nonviolence is not an absolute, but a relationship. If you order a cell phone online and agree to pay $500 for it, you are not obligated to pay the money if you never receive the phone. The obligation to send the $500 is contingent upon the seller fulfilling his end of the bargain, which is to send you the phone. Your obligation is not an absolute send $500 no matter what, but a relationship. If someone steals your bicycle, it is morally acceptable to take it back. If someone cheats you out of $100, it is morally acceptable to lie to that person to get your money back. Many moral scenarios are put forward in defiance of this basic reality. If a man demands to know where your wife is so that he can murder her, are you obligated to tell him the truth about her whereabouts? No sane person says yes. Emmanuel Kant accepted. And so, since you support lying, telling the truth cannot be an absolute. The idea that you owe a moral obligation called telling the truth to a man threatening murder is like saying that you owe marriage to a stalker or compliance to a kidnapper. Skipping over the immorality of threatening to murder someone and focusing on whether you should tell the truth about where your wife is is the same as skipping over the abuse of a parent and focusing only on the behavior of the child. In fact, it comes from the same psychological source. Understanding that morality is a relationship is essential to parenting. When your child lies, you can say the following. So you didn't tell me the truth, which I understand. It's a natural reaction to try and get out of trouble or achieve something good. It's a temptation, and we all give in to it from time to time. But it's not a good thing in general, and I'll tell you why. Do you remember when I said on the weekend that we were going to go to the play center, and you got very excited and happy? <laughs> yeah, we had a great time. I'm really glad we went. However, if I told you that we were going to the play center, but then I never took you, 
to the play center, how happy would you be? If I told you that once you brushed your teeth, we could play a video game, how would you feel if I then said we weren't going to play the video game and that I never even promised you that we would? Well, you'd find it pretty hard to trust anything I said if I kept lying to you, right? You wouldn't have any way of planning what was going to happen in the future or relying on my promises. I'm sure that you feel happier knowing that you can rely on my promises. Well, it's the same for me. I like knowing that I can rely on what you say, because then I can trust you and plan my day and know that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. If you lie, which, again, I understand, we're all tempted to, then is it fair to expect me to tell the truth to you? If you go into the candy store with $5, is it reasonable to give that $5 to the man behind the counter if he doesn't give you any candy? Is it fair to pay $10 to see a movie and then not be allowed into the movie theater? When we go around to the houses on Halloween, would it be fair for people to charge you for the candy you take? No, of course not, because everyone understands that Halloween candy is free for the children. Most good things in society rely on people being trustworthy. Stores don't keep everything in a big safe. They just assume that most people won't steal. We don't have to pay for our dinners at restaurants ahead of time. They just assume that we will pay at the end. And, of course, there will be times when you just can't keep your word. Remember when we had to go to the dentist and there was that terrible traffic accident and we just couldn't get there on time? That happens. We just had to call and tell them what was going on. Those really should be the exceptions. If we showed up half an hour late to every dentist appointment, that would be a big problem, right? It would be kind of unfair to benefit from everyone else telling the truth while giving yourself permission to lie. Again, it's tempting. I understand that. But it's not really fair, right? What happens when you lie is that other people don't have to tell you the truth anymore. If you break your promises, other people don't have to keep their promises, right? You do want to be able to trust me, right? That if I say we're going somewhere fun, that we actually do go there? Of course you do. That's a grown-up thing to do. It keeps the relationship fun, gives you things to look forward to. So, do we have a deal? You tell the truth, and I tell the truth as well? Children can understand this from a very early age. Even toddlers know a good trade when they see it. Of course, if you keep your word, but your child continues to lie, unlikely but possible, then as a parent, you need to stop keeping your word. You can promise to take your child to an arcade and then break your promise. Your child will be upset and complain that you broke your word. And then you can respond with all the recent examples of your child breaking his or her word. Remember, I said that I didn't have to keep my word if you don't keep your word. You buy my honesty with your honesty. Hey, I'm happy to start keeping my word, but you have to start keeping your word as well. I mean, if you have an employee, but he doesn't do any work, you don't have to pay him, right? 
It's the same thing with the endless battles that aggressive parents wage against their children about food. You can say, My job as a parent is to deliver you to adulthood with a healthy mind and body. Like it or not, I hope you like it, but you don't have to. I am responsible for what you eat, how much you exercise, and how healthy you are. Hey, that comes with some real benefits to you. You don't have to work or pay taxes or pay rent. I am responsible for your education, health, and well-being. Now, would you be happy if you got to adulthood with really bad, painful, and rotting teeth? Of course not. You'd face a lifetime of very expensive agony if I never told you to brush your teeth or eat less sugar or visit the dentist. Also, I know it's not important to you right now, but you will want someone to kiss you at some point in your life, and that's not going to happen if you have stinky teeth. I make decisions based on whether or not you will thank me later as an adult, not whether you like me in the moment right now. This isn't just for you. I make decisions for myself like that as well. Sometimes, a lot of the times, I just want to sit on the couch and eat cheesecake. But no, I make a salad and then go exercise. I want to live a long and healthy life, so I need to deliver a healthy body to my future self. Sometimes we see really fat people struggling to get out of a car or get up from a couch. Do they look very happy? Of course not. But you can bet that they were happy in the past when they were sitting on the couch and eating cheesecake. Really, they don't have a lot of love for their future selves if they're willing to sacrifice their health and well-being for the sake of something that tastes good for about a minute. If you weigh 300 pounds at the age of 18 and you can't get a date and you're short of breath climbing the stairs and you have trouble getting out of a car, will you thank me? Will you say, I'm really happy and grateful that you let me eat all of those candies as a kid? I look back on those memories with great fondness, and I think it's perfectly great that I ended up weighing 300 pounds. <laughs> Not likely, right? So, I have to plan for what you're going to say to me when I deliver you to adulthood. I understand that right now you want candy all the time. If it's any consolation, I love candy. Everyone does. But you and I both know that you will blame me and be very angry with me if I let you eat candy all the time and you end up weighing 300 pounds. Right now, your life is largely under my control. And I know that gets frustrating. Trust me. I had the same feeling at your age. But I am responsible for what you eat and how much you exercise. And I know that you want to make your own decisions. I admire that. I want to encourage that as much as possible. But I am ultimately responsible for the decisions that you make. When you start making better decisions, I will stop controlling the outcomes. And there's nothing wrong with making bad decisions. They're not bad, really, because you're just a kid. And even adults, even I, sometimes make bad decisions in the moment. But I do have to have good answers for you in the future when you look back on my parenting and judge how I did. Of course, you won't want to be 300 pounds. You will want to be reasonably fit and healthy and slender. I think of myself in 10 years, and I don't want to be 300 pounds either, so I have to have some compassion 
and responsibility for my own future self and your future self as well. A big part of growing up is learning how to say no to what feels good in the moment but costs you a lot later on. With food, it's kind of a battle between your belly and your tongue. Your tongue wants things that are sweet and fatty and salty. Your belly wants things that are healthy and nutritious. If you only please your tongue, you get fat and wreck your health. The food passes right past your tongue. It's your belly that has to do the real work. It's once past the lips, forever on the hips. Every kid has had that experience of eating so much candy that they get sick. That's an example of your tongue winning and your belly losing. On the other hand, good tasting food is a great pleasure in life, so it's important to please your tongue as well and not just your belly. You have to find a balance, which is a fun and complicated part of adulthood. It's the same with exercise. You, you want to do enough exercise to stay healthy, but not so much that you injure yourself or have no life outside of the gym. If I don't encourage you to do any exercise, that's bad for your body, particularly your bones, which get kind of soft and easy to break, which is seriously no fun. And it can't deliver you to adulthood with the body strength of your average tadpole. On the other hand, too much exercise can stress your bones and injure your joints and tendons. And I don't want you to become an adult full of aches and pains and get mad at me for pushing you too hard. It's the same with education. It's important to know things, but not spend your whole childhood reading and studying, which means that you're not doing any exercise or having a social life. Having a social life is really important for your happiness and health and well-being. People who live alone, that go kind of crazy, as you know from your Aunt Ethel. But if you spend your whole time socializing, you never end up learning or doing much. Life is kind of like that guy we saw at the fun fair with all the spinning plates on sticks. You have to keep a lot of things in balance. It can get kind of complicated and priorities can change over time. Before I met your mother, I was really keen on dating. Now, of course, Eh, not so much. Education is really important early on in life. In your last few years, not quite so much. It also depends what you want to do with your life. If you want to be an athlete, exercise is essential. If you want to be a musician, you have to practice, but you can't exercise while you're practicing, and you can't practice while you're exercising, so you're going to have to choose to focus more on one or the other. Look, the whole point is, you can't just do what feels good in the moment forever. A lot of times, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to eat super healthy. I don't want to sit down and do my taxes. But we have all of these great things in life. You have all of these great things as well. Because a lot of times, I do what I don't feel like. And of course, you can't spend your whole life doing things you don't want to. What kind of life would that be? You'd be a kind of slave. When you were learning your words, you kind of had to trust that I was telling you the truth about what was what. I didn't tell you that the word for tree was poop, did I? I guess I'm asking for that same trust now. 
and for you to really think about what you want in the future. You don't want to be one of those people with soft bones, green teeth, and a giant belly, right? I'm no athlete, but I'm reasonably healthy and fit. You see me saying no to bad food and exercising regularly. I mean, it wouldn't be much fun for you if I weighed 300 pounds and couldn't come to play centers or run in the park or go swimming and rock climbing. So you benefit from me eating well and exercising. And you understand that you will also benefit in the future from eating well and exercising. And it's my job to see that you do. But the last thing I want to do is force you which is why I'm telling you about all of these things, so that you can trust me and start making these good decisions yourself. Now, these above speeches can be adapted to a wide variety of situations, but they all carry a common theme, which is, one, appeal to the child's self-interest. Two, refer to the behavior that you have consistently modeled. Three, remind the child that good behavior is a relationship, not an absolute. Four, assert your authority through responsibility. With regards to honesty, you appeal to the child's self-interest by reminding her that she benefits when you tell the truth. You then can refer to your own honesty, which you have consistently modeled. You can then remind her that if she doesn't want to tell the truth, you don't have to either. Finally, you have to remind the child that you are responsible for her behavior until she becomes an adult. These four principles are easy to implement once you get used to them. The toughest for most parents is number two, the consistent modeling of the behavior you want to reproduce in your child. If you want your child to keep her word, but you have broken your promises, then you need to fix yourself before lecturing her. Having higher standards for children than you have for yourself will undermine and destroy your credibility and lead to endless conflicts because your child will instinctively grasp your rank hypocrisy. You also need to model good behavior in all your interactions with your spouse, your relatives, your siblings, your child's siblings, and even the random strangers we all encounter in our journey through the day. A child can't learn a language if the words keep changing, and the child can't learn morality without the ethical consistency that only parental integrity can achieve. Credibility is the opposite of vanity. Many of us have parents who wanted us to achieve in order to serve their own egos. This is about as demotivating an incentive as can be imagined. Your parents wanting you to do well so that they can brag to others often drives us to near manic levels of self-sabotage. If you want your child to obey you so that you feel better, your child will resist you. We've all been in the situation where some salesman is pressuring us to buy something so that he can make money, not because we will benefit from the sale. 
Imagine going to buy a car and the salesman immediately pressures you to buy the most expensive vehicle on the lot without even asking you whether you have kids or what you're looking for or what your budget is. Would you be eager to buy from him? Of course not. You would completely understand that the transaction would be solely for his benefit and against your own interests. It's the same with parenting. If a rug salesman in Morocco plied you with tea and sweet cakes and then got angry at you for failing to buy an expensive carpet because he had treated you with such benevolent hospitality, would you apologize and pay thousands of dollars for something you did not need? I hope not. <laughs> if you expect your son to obey you because you are his parent, then you are taking refuge in a category, not gaining credibility through your own integrity. I hope you would not expect your wife to obey you just because you fell in the category of husband. You should never try to teach your child obedience. Obedience means surrendering your will to the authority of another without the requirement of self-interest or credibility. We all know how disastrous it is for society when people surrender their own moral conscience and rational self-interest to those in authority. This is just self-erasure in the face of bullying. How likely would you be to work hard for a boss, knowing ahead of time that he will take all the credit and bonuses and loudly proclaim that you never contributed anything? It wouldn't happen, right? You really don't want your children to just obey you. You want them to emulate your good behavior. You want to inspire them with your examples. And you want to appeal to their self-interest. If you demand that they obey you, then you are delivering them bound and gagged into the claws of manipulators, bullies, and exploiters. Teaching obedience is inflicting slavery. Moral human beings obey virtue, not others. Obeying others is enslavement. Obeying virtue is liberty. Your conscience records every action and compares it to your stated ideals. Expecting obedience requires inculcating fear and making threats. Think of the people you obey without good reason. There is always danger at the root of these relationships. Obedience is squarely in the predatory realm of negative economics. Negative economics is when you act to avoid a negative rather than pursue and achieve a positive. You hand over your money to a mugger to avoid being shot or stabbed. This is negative economics. You comply with a nagging wife to stop her nagging. This is negative economics. You obey people to avoid negative consequences, which means obedience comes bundled together with resentment and rebellion. 
Obeying people is like holding a balloon underwater. It's going to pop up eventually. If you drive your children into the underworld of negative economics, they will rebel, as surely as Lucifer did. If you call your mother due to a shameful sense of guilt and obligation, that is negative economics. If your children obey you because you will bully, shame, or threaten them otherwise, that is negative economics. If you work a job you hate at a family business because your father needs you and says he can't survive without you, that is negative economics. Negative economics is always unsustainable. Countries that start out as havens of freedom always turn into empires of enslavement. They turn from the positive economics of seeking liberty to the negative economics of avoiding jail and inevitably end up collapsing. Some negative economics are inevitable in life, but we should strive as much as possible for self-interested, positive outcomes and relationships rather than the grim death march of avoiding unjust criticisms, shaming, or abuse. Those who inflict negative economics on others are openly confessing that they have nothing positive to offer, no value to bring to the table, no chance of bringing happiness to others. Compliance and resentment. Those we truly hate, we most comply with. Complying with bullying traps the bully by giving her what she wants. It is the ultimate form of passive aggression, destruction through obedience. We destroy the bully by bribing his worst instincts with our own compliance. Don't trap your children in that cycle. Your goal as a parent is to deliver your children from evil, not to it, bound and gagged.